0: Pastor Tom, one of the staff pastors here at New Hope Church, and I'll just say this uh, girls, thank you so much for uh, leading out, and Pastor Jake as well, and Scott, that's uh, a really important kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I might, I have skated backwards, I told folks in the first service, When I was about 20, 30, 40, but these days, I don't know if I'd want to risk it, Uh, but I am just excited about what God's doing in the lives of our young people and in the life of New Hope Church. We are continuing a series this morning that we're calling Money Matters, and we're particularly talking about Debt Matters, because debt matters. It matters to your growth in Christ. It matters to your anxiety level, your stress level. It matters to your growth. It matters to your stewardship responsibility. It matters to your marriage. You know, one of the primary causes of marital tension is financial stress. If you're here and you're married today... These issues of finance and debt are really important from lots of different perspectives, and God cares about it. In fact, over in Romans chapter thirteen verse seven says, "Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another." In other words, in Romans chapter 13 it's telling us that God calls us to love one another, basic foundational truth, and it's saying that... Debt can keep us from really loving in the way that we ought to, from really having resources available to the Lord to be able to be released to love others. And so it's an important item. Now, when we come to an issue like this, it can bring up a lot of different kinds of feelings. Because sometimes we tend to think that finances, money, things like debt are private issues. And sometimes we're reluctant to talk about these kinds of things. Sometimes we're more reluctant to talk about finances than we are to talk about sexual matters, than we are to talk about issues that are going on in our health. And God says, be released to talk about finances, husband and wife, friend to friend, brother and sister in Christ. If we talk on the issue of debt, one of the things that I want you to know is that don't come here and feel like, oh, I'm so ashamed. We're going to be talking about debt, about the importance of staying out of debt if you can, about getting out of debt if you are in debt, but shame is not a freeing kind of an experience. God comes in grace and His grace is sufficient for all things. And if you're in a situation where you currently are in debt or if you had debt in the past, then just want you to know that God wants us to learn and grow in this. But don't take shame away from today. That's not the the point. Likewise, it's an issue of stress and anxiety. And we're not talking about it to raise the anxiety level. I don't want you to feel depressed. Oh man, I have so much debt. We are where we're at regardless of whether we have little or whether we have lots of monies and so let's just come before God in the freedom to say, here I am God, help me to grow in this area, okay? So that's where we start. Now, I want to give a little bit of a testimony from Aaron and Jennifer Smith, who are bloggers, who were married in 2007, they started a blogging ministry where they write about their marriage in particular. And they got a couple books, one called Husband After God, another one called Wife After God. And you can go on YouTube, you can go to their website, and just some good things that they share about life. In Christ and in their marriage and so you can go check that out sometime I got a couple of clips from what is about a 20-minute video on YouTube the video is called seven tips to get out of debt quickly and we're just going to utilize these as a couple of illustrations to stimulate your thinking and prayer on this important issue so this is a huge topic Uh, most of the country's in debt.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a mentality of the culture that ha- it's been accepted and it's been okay yeah. to live a life of debt. So I think that there's yeah. just a lot of people living that way. Um, and we did, um, yeah. I had, we had $20,000 of debt that yeah. we ch- uh, chopped, away at, you know, early on, mm-hmm. we've been out of debt now for how many years? Gosh, like six. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and you know what? we love being out of debt. Yeah. It changes the way we think. Uh, it changes the way we spend money. Mm-hmm. changes the way we save money. And it changes the way we look at things that mm-hmm. cost money. Uh, so our heart for you guys, as marriages that are chasing after God and his ministry for your life, mm-hmm. is that you would be debt free. Because the, the what God put on our hearts when we decided to come back from the mission field and go home and get out of debt, was that we could be m- more free to minister for him mm-hmm. and do his work and what he calls us to do mm-hmm. Without debt. And I would say that that is the number one benefit and blessing of being debt free is the freedom we have to do whatever God wants us to do. Yeah.
0: There's just freedom. And so that's our heart for you. Yeah. And that's my heart for you. That's my heart for me. And I don't come to you saying, oh yeah, I've always done finances perfectly, I've made my own mistakes in terms of finances, and we all have to work through these things before God and just help us to grow in what's true and right and good. And so, in regard to debt, my first point here is the primary point in regard to debt, and that is this. Borrowing money and overspending puts you in a servant relationship or a slave relationship. With the one from whom you borrow or owe money. That's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. I think if you've ever been in a position where you owe money to someone, you feel this, you sense this, and emotionally it can really stir us up and make us feel like we're in that servile kind of relationship, either to an institution or to a person. Now, in Western history, we know that people, in fact, were put into debtor prison. People actually had to work as slaves to work off debts that they owed. Scripture is talking particularly about this aspect from both those perspectives, that it was possible that someone would have to go to work for someone else in that servile relationship, but particularly for us in the Western culture we live in today, it's primarily that experience of feeling like, oh, I've always got someone that I owe money. It's always hanging over the head, over my head. So the question then is, this complex society we live in, how do we live without debt. When Aaron and Jennifer Smith say they're debt-free, I don't exactly know what they mean by that. I haven't done enough research to find out. Have they paid off their house? That'd be a pretty hard thing to do, I would think, at their age. Are they renting? I'm not sure what they mean when they say that they're debt-free. I'm fairly sure what they mean is, just in watching the whole video, is that they came out of School with education debt, and that they've really worked to pay off that education debt. But you know, for most of us, for most of us, we're going to take out a loan on our house, probably take out a loan on an automobile or a truck or something. We may have education debts, and so how do we balance this with this? aspect of being out of debt, and a part of that has to do with being wise with our monies. So there are some things that are emergencies, some things that are important priorities. So for example, you get about January, and you're going to start seeing commercials that you need a big screen TV, right? The big game's coming. You need a better TV. You need a bigger TV. If you're going to have that big party, that Super Bowl party, you need the biggest TV you can get. And sometimes, in regard to the Super Bowl, usually that would be men, but not always. Sometimes we'll try to convince our wives, we really need that TV That big game is coming. We really, really need it. And we create an emergency, a crisis, out of something that really isn't a crisis. I heard somebody say one time that when men blow money, they really blow it in big ways. And that's been my experience down through the years in just getting to know couples is that that's generally true, the men by the boat, uh, the men by the big camper. Not, Not always, because we all come with our own issues and our own desires, and so not always. But the first point is, figure out, is this really an emergency? Is it really a need or not? Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse eight says, "'If anyone does not provide for his relatives, "'especially for his immediate family, "'he's denied the faith is worse than an unbeliever.'" So we recognize that pressure upon us to provide for our families, both our immediate family, and then there's situations where our larger families at times, father and mother, children certainly, and balancing all those kinds of responsibilities. That's what I'm saying. It's a compl- we're in a complex society. We have complex relationships. And so let's just recognize that and yet keep, the primary truth that we don't want to get into a debting, debtor situation because that puts us in that servant relationship with an institution or with a person while recognizing that there are situations, there are life goes on and we do have to think and pray through with wisdom from pastors, elders friends who are knowledgeable in Christ, who have godly wisdom, trying to figure out where and when is it a good time to borrow. Second point, repay what you borrow. You you can declare bankruptcy in the United States, and I don't personally know how that works, but you can enter into protection where you can either negotiate or don't. Pay back what you owe. Like I say, I don't know how that works. I do know have known people who have done it. They say don't do it. And they say, well, then that stays with you for five, ten years, and it's hard to get another loan for a house or whatever you need to get a loan for. So try to avoid that. But God's word says, The wicked borrow and do not repay. I don't want to be classified among the wicked. I don't think you do either, and so we do have this responsibility to repay what we borrow, if at all possible, but I have been in some situations where we've also, in this day and age, again, complex society, medical bills can get crazy off the charts, and so we have at times helped people dealing with medical bills negotiate with a medical provider, and so just recognize that those kinds of possibilities do exist as well. Don't presume on the future. If you borrow money, don't presume that you're going to have money to be able to pay that back, right? James, who so I won't read it, but James chapter 4 says, don't say today, tomorrow, or the next day, I'm going to go here, go to this city and do this. I'm going to go and do this business here. And James 4 says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know that you'll have that same job that you have today. You don't know what calamities are going to come in your life. So don't presume that the future is going to be the same or better than today. And then look for creative ways that the Lord might provide. Sometimes in our immediate families sometimes in our church family sometimes people have vehicles that they will either give or sell at a lower price sometimes people have homes that they will sell at a lower price sometimes people have opportunities that they know about and jobs and businesses and so before you start borrowing lots just come before the lord and ask him lord Help me to be creative in knowing how to continue through with what I see as a need and then talk with some folks about it again. Talk with us as pastors. We'd love to visit with you. Talk with an elder about what's going on and just say, you know, do you think there are some creative ways that God might supply for myself and for my family before jumping into borrowing money? Now that means, it goes back to what, we, what I brought up in the beginning, which is that we start to feel ashamed about our need, or we feel like, I don't really want to share that, and what happens then is that we try to go on our own, and then we get stuck in this place where we're just kind of frozen, and so you never know how much of a blessing you could be to someone if, if you share with them about what's going on, and then they can come alongside of you, help you think creatively, help you think about, well, have you tried this job? Have you tried uh, this opportunity? And would you help me out to kind of work through this? And so don't jump too quickly into borrowing money. Even like in terms of education, So often, I've seen young people jump into situations where they're borrowing lots of money for education when there are opportunities to keep that debt lower, to go to schools where the load of debt is not so great. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I will say it. There are some Christian schools that, in my mind, load way too much debt upon young people. And so, we just, not that we're gonna make a difference this morning, I'm just complaining. Um, so, uh, that is true. Well, let's go on. Debt can become less of a burden by becoming a wise money manager. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. What's that saying? Saying in that context, original context, that someone built a house, and then they went out, and they found good deals. And that day, they didn't go online. But they went to a sale... And they found things that were made well, but they were able to purchase it because they looked and they networked. And we can do those kinds of things. We can go to garage sales and estate sales and look online. And we can network with others to find ways to have things that can help us to live in a house, that can have furniture, that... Works well for us, and many of us have experienced that. Um, I'll just give kudos here to Michelle. Michelle's been doing an awesome job over the church office and helping us find like a table. What'd you get that table for? Seventy-five dollars or something, and things like that that are available when we look around and think it through. And that's what this passage in Proverbs is saying. And, you know, Proverbs is a very wisdom-producing kind of a book. It's a book that if you take and apply what's there, you'll become a wise person and you have wise actions that you'll take. And that's what it's saying is as we are a steward of what God's entrusted us with, just be on the lookout to be that steward and not just, again, not just to jump on something that you think you need, but you might be able to be provided for you in a different kind of a way. I always like what John Wesley said. He said, make all you can, save all you can, give away all you can. And John Wesley isn't scripture. I mean, he's a pastor that lived a couple hundred years ago. And he's saying, yeah, God's created us to be productive citizens. God's created us with giftedness of mind, of energies, of the ability to think, the ability to act, and so we're free to make monies. We're free to save monies. And then he says we're free to give monies. God wants you to have financial freedom. Now that does not mean you're necessarily going to win the lottery, unless you're from Redfield, maybe. You got a chance. But God does want us to be in a position where we have financial freedom. He wants us to be growing in that grace of giving. He wants us to learn how to save. That's a part of what he says in his word. You know that 16 out of 38 of the parables that are in the New Testament involve monies. Do You know that Scripture talks more about how we use our monies than it does about heaven and hell. Do you know that there are five times as many verses on money as there is on prayer? So even though we tend to relegate this to something private that we don't talk about, Scripture says, be transparent, brothers and sisters, talk about it. Think about it together. Pray about it together. Be released into financial freedom together. It's a part of what it means to be community. This is one of the interesting things. i just throw this in for extra. When I go overseas, it's unbelievable how many times I'm asked for, for uh, people ask me to give help financially. Now, as Americans, we tend to think, why would they do that? But in lots of cultures, that's actually an expression of friendship and love for someone to ask you to come alongside and help them. We think, what? And in some situations, and it's kinda hard to sort that out sometimes, in some situations they are just wanting, just to want because they think you're a rich American. But in other situations, and you just gotta kinda sort all these things out, in other situations it really is an expression of, you're my friend, I'm your friend, we share together as friends in Christ, And you just have to learn as an American not to be offended by that and to say, no, I can't do that right now, but I'll think about it. And um, actually, when we go overseas, when I go with Reach Global, we're not allowed on the spot to be able to respond to those kind of situations. We have to come back, think it through, pray it through, share it with the church and all those kinds of things. There's little things we can do at times. But anyway, my my point is that we as Americans are a lot more hung up about this than the rest of the world. And so in God's word, he's saying, don't be hung up about it. We can talk about money as much as we can talk about prayer or heaven or hell or the parables. Be free to talk about it. Let's look at this uh, second video And just hear a little bit more from the Smiths on their journey in terms of their finances and how they handle budgeting, which we're going to talk about in just a second.
1: You have this much debt, and every week or month, you add a little bit more debt to it, right? And then you try and chip it on this end, but the chipping away is much smaller. We know how it works. like Most of it goes to interest, a little bit goes to principal, or none goes to principal, and you're adding debt. There will always be reasons to justify debt there'll always be always. An, another credit card coming out that has really low interest rate or you or know you or, or you guys or need a car and you have to go get that one that comes yeah. with a loan so you have to start making choices that are going to hurt a little bit which is telling your flesh no um, telling mm. each other no telling each other you know remi- remind each other about the plan yeah. Well, what needs to happen is a retraining mm-hmm. of our money because we're, if we're used to debt, mm-hmm. then getting out of debt, it's like I'm going on a diet. Yeah. It hurts. I'm hungry. Yeah. Like we need that thing. So you just, ha- again, being on the same page, like we said, in tip one, mm-hmm. tip two, just stop getting into debt. Yeah, Like just let it stop because it won't grow mm-hmm. unless you don't pay it and then you'll get interest, but don't add to it.
0: So that can sound a little bit preachy, but I don't think they mean it that way. I think they're just trying to give good counsel in terms of how we practically carry out these kinds of things. So the way I like to approach this is to think of a house, and fundamental principle being that we build our house on the rock, and that rock is Christ, Jesus tells this parable, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So, invest in the Solid Rock Corporation. And that rock is Jesus." You can be a person who does all the right things financially and yet not have a relationship with Jesus. And if you come this morning and you don't start with a relationship with Jesus, then all these financial principles are null and void in terms of what really matters. So hear me. Fundamental to who we are is we begin with our life in Christ and trusting in Jesus, and He's the rock. He's the one that gives us that stability. He's the one that when those hard times are coming, and including financial times, that when the winds are whipping, when we go into financial kinds of problems as a country or as a family, He's the one who gives us that firm place to stand And so, if you come this morning and you've never said, Jesus, I stand on you. You're my rock. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose to new life. Come into my heart and my life. That's the place to begin, okay? Just so you know, we can tell lots of truth from God's word, but we got to begin at the beginning, which is our relationship with Christ. So start there, build on that foundation. Knowledge, God's ownership, is one of the fundamental principles. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Or Haggai. You remember last summer we preached through Haggai and the prophet Haggai says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. What's the point? Everything belongs to God. We shake our heads if we know Christ. We say, yeah, 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 I get that. The hills and mountains, this church building. Everything belongs to God. No, everything belongs to God. Including that car that you and I say is yours and mine. Including that house that you say is yours or mine. Everything belongs to God. Now it's say, well, that's a little personal. Well, it's what Scripture says that God has given it to us, and God's the owner, and we're the manager. That's what the word steward means. Numerous times, Scripture says we're a steward, a house manager, that we are called here to manage God's affairs. We're called here to manage God's business. We're working for God. Now, The reality is that we are stewards over lots and lots of areas of our life. We're stewards over the time that we have and how we spend our time. We're stewards over our health. We are stewards over the abilities that we have. We're stewards over the spiritual gifts that we have. And monies is one area that we are stewards of. But it's not the only area. We're stewards of the gospel. In Luke 12, 41 through 48, Jesus tells a parable about a steward. He says, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? And Jesus says here, he says, those who are faithful managers of God's business, of God's resources, he says, he or she, they're the one who is honored. Then over in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says, now it is required of those who have been given a trust that they must Prove faithful. So that's the foundation. The rock is Jesus, the foundation of this financial house. That's our position as steward. Then we're not going to spend long on this next point, but what I want you to notice is the order in which it comes. So we're a steward of what God entrusts us with, and we're a generous giver. God entrusts us with monies. He entrusts us with time. He entrusts us with energies. He entrusts us with minds. And a fundamental first priority then is to be the avenue of resourcing. What God has resourced to us, we resource to his ministry. We give generously. Why? Because God says he loves a cheerful giver. If God loves a cheerful giver, let's be Cheerful. And a giver. I want to be in a place of, of blessing, where God blesses me, where God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Where God smiles upon me. And he says a part of that blessing is to recognize that giving generously is a part of how God has created us as stewards. So the ground floor. Now what you have. Evaluate your assets you say well I don't have much. I'm not telling you to compare what you have or don't have. Pastor Ryan talked about that last week is don't be comparing. I'm just saying that proverbs 29:23 says be sure you know the condition of your flocks. give careful attention to your herds. What does a shepherd do? Shepherd cares for sheep and a shepherd would go out and make sure the sheep had clean and pure water, a place where that sheep could go and drink so they didn't get thirsty. Shepherd would go and find the green pastures, would take the sheep to places where they had good food. Shepherd goes out and checks to make sure that the sheep don't have diseases. Shepherd makes sure that the sheep aren't hurt, that they haven't fallen somewhere. And so the point is that if you own a business, if you're a worker, if you're involved in some kind of work, pay attention. I mean, again, it's a pretty simple, straightforward kind of point is know. Know what you have, know what's going on. And why would we not apply that then to our financial resources? Know what you have, know how much you have paid off in your house. Know how much you owe. Know how much you paid off on your car. Know how much you owe. Know how much you have in terms of assets. That's a ground floor. Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? And then you know what you have. Now comes the hard work. Use the budget. Not too many people like budgets. There might be a few accountants that like budgets, but most of us don't like budgets, but budgets are really important. Kind of like they mentioned earlier, exercise or a diet, it's good for us, even though it's hard to do. And the enterprise, Proverbs 23, verses three and four, Any enterprise is built by wise planning. Takes wise planning. It becomes strong through common sense, profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. So, if you owe debt, figure out what the high interest debt is, start chipping away at it. Include that as a part of your budget. Now, it's harder to budget the less you have. The more precise you have to be after you've figured out your assets. It's harder, especially sometimes in the early younger years. I can remember when Kathleen and I were early in our marriage. We had very tight budget and so we'd put a piece of paper up on the refrigerator, had all of our budget categories, and every time we had an expense, we'd write it up on the refrigerator on that piece of paper. So if I back then you could get a pop for a quarter if you're really cheap. Got the sure fine versus the Coca-Cola it was 25 cents. My kids never liked that, but that's what we did. So anyway, trying to save money, and every time we did that, 25 cents, 25 cents, 25 cents. And we just kept track of it because we needed to keep track of it very closely. And so a budget is a part of what helps to free you in terms of the process, both in terms of conversation, so that as husband and wife, if you're married, you don't have quite as many arguments um, because finances again it's a place of a lot of pressure and especially in a marriage where you have two people trying to figure out what are the priorities what are um, the things that we need to be using our monies for coming together praying through a, a budget is a tool to help us to do that so have a budget figure that out second floor of this financial house. We're going to go real quickly at this point. Second floor, work on personal career goals. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. At times we get these ideas, I should do this, I should do that, and God's word says keep on plowing where you have expertise and keep on working at those things, those areas where you Know you have abilities where you can know you can do well. Not that you can't jump tracks, but his word says just recognize the risk you take when you jump tracks. Plan for retirement needs. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Again, plan for retirement kinds of needs. Plan for family education needs. I already hit a little bit on that. I don't know where education monies are going to come from in the future, Considering where they're at right now, but just start planning for that. Reduce taxes. Yes, it's ethical to reduce your taxes. Again, I mean, this is a situation of change that's going on in the United States in terms of the whole tax code, and who knows where that's going to go next, but certainly ethical and right to reduce taxes. Third floor, we're not going to talk much about this one either. Third floor, find a way to invest. Even if you have a really tight budget, find a way to save a dollar a week. Find a way to set that aside and start doing that early on. Books to read. And this may be the most practical thing you might do. Find a book to read and follow it. And here's a few Christian authors I have found. One of the books that was highly recommended on Amazon, and I haven't read this book, but I like Amazon kinds of reviews because generally, even though they're largely anonymous people, generally you have pretty good reviews. And this one, a lot of people said, Financial Fitness by Life Leadership Team was a good book. So just going on what Amazon says, check it out. Dave Ramsey, a lot of us know Dave Ramsey. He's on television and Great speaker, has lots of good principles. And so he's going to be hard-hitting, straight at you. You can go to the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Read it, utilize it. A book on debt that I found was Debt Proof Your Marriage by Mary Hunt. You can check that out. Tell me what you think of it. And then the final book is I'm going on the author. One of my favorite authors is Randy Elkhorn. He's written a book on heaven, for example. That's a great book. He's written a book called The Treasure Principle that lots of us read when we were going through our building campaign a number of years ago. And so he's got this larger book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And I'm sure you'd be challenged uh, by that from the standpoint of just really thinking through scripturally what does God have to say about money and possessions. So here's my final point, Luke 16, verses 10 and 11. And this is a challenge to you. To be a steward who stewards God's resources for kingdom effectiveness. This is really the heart of God here, Luke 16, 10, 11. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been untru- so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who would trust you with true riches? So it brings up the question, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? What's true riches and that which is not true riches? What is unrighteous versus righteous wealth? And what Jesus is saying is that the true riches are what God entrusts to us for kingdom effectiveness, what God entrusts to us to make an impact in people's lives, to see the kingdom of God advanced, to see transformation come in people's lives. He says, this is what true riches is all about. And he's saying, consider then what God has entrusted to us in terms of time, money, energy, health, and use those to serve God. He says, when we do this, when we invest ourselves, when we're faithful in these things, what he calls little things, and what he means by those, I mean, it doesn't feel little when you're behind on payments. Doesn't feel little when your health is not going right. But what he's saying is that compared to God's work, compared to God's kingdom work, he's saying these are small compared to the big thing of eternity. And the challenge that he's given us in this passage is to take what the world says is the most important thing, right? The world says get rich. The world says that your advancement is what is primary. The world says that you get ahead of everybody else, you win the rat race, and the world says that's what's most important, and Jesus takes that and he turns it upside down, and he says, no, what is really important is kingdom advancement and utilizing the resources that God entrusts us with to advance his kingdom. And as we do that, then he entrusts us with true riches, which are the riches of eternity, Think about that. Take this passage this afternoon. Look at it. Meditate on it. And my challenge to you is just ask. Ask God, how can I be freed up? In the same way that this couple was talking about, how can I be freed up for greater effectiveness for your kingdom? I know you're here because you love Jesus you're here because you wanna know God better. You're here because you wanna know God's word better. And all all I'm saying is, here's God's word, here's God's truth. Now, we say, yeah, God, I'm willing to risk myself to an area that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to expose ourselves and be transparent in this area. We don't wanna deal with it. We just wanna do what we did in our family And with the things that we brought in, the concepts that we brought in on how to protect ourselves, or we bring these habits from the past in terms of how we ministered to ourselves in terms of just providing for our own needs and covering up. Sometimes, you know, people use shopping to be able to cover up. Big things going on in our lives. Sometimes we use our own advancement to be able to cover up the real needs that we have in our lives. And all I'm saying is let's come before God and in transparency, in honesty, say, God, help me with this. Just like we might ask God to help us with any anxiety that we have. We might ask God to help us grow in Christ-likeness. Let's, let's say, God, help me. With this area that is huge, really, right? I mean, we use money every day, right? And if we're working, we're working all the time, and money's coming in, money's going out. It is a huge area. And yet, so often as Christians, we just, we kind of ignore it. Or we feel embarrassed about it, or like I say, we make mistakes. We spend monies that we shouldn't spend, or we invest in places we shouldn't invest. And I, I understand. I've done that, been there. And you know, God's good. He's gracious. And so let's come before Him in His grace and just say, "God, help me to do better." To be your servant, to be your steward, and just have a breakthrough. Lord, help us. We come. We are but dust, and yet we are eternal souls, and you understand that. And you challenge us to be growing stewards, and we just recognize this whole area is so anxiety-provoking, and yet it's so important to come before you and to be people who are growing in this area along with so many other areas of life so help us to do that to not approach it with our own hang-ups to not approach it in a way that we just think what's mine is mine what's yours is yours but to really acknowledge God you are you're the owner of all things including my life my car my house my family my retirement, my job, you're the one who is responsible for all of it. So I come with uh, what I have, what I don't have, come with uh, all the resources that you entrust me with, and now help me, help us to be stewards for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.